As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Payne, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? And the charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Hey, man, I tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA national writer at The Athletic, here with the one and only, the usual suspect, Anthony Slater out west. We will hopefully be joined later in the pod by Sixers beat writer, Rich Hoffman. Uh, You may have heard by now, Sixers part ways with Coach Doc Rivers. Uh, A lot going on in Philly when it comes to the, uh, the losing squad in the East semifinals. Uh, but Mr. Slater, on this week's pod, we are going to make the rounds. There's a lot happening within the association, like always. But we're going to focus on the, the two latest squads falling out. Uh, but before we jump into your Warriors, just a couple of other headlines. You know, John Morant, um, yet again, has been seen on an Instagram live video uh, flashing a gun. So we are going to await the or presumably flashing a gun. It certainly appears to be the case. The league's investigating again. I wrote a column about this and the idea that the Grizzly star might be out for quite some time with, you know, yet another situation. You know, that's something that I think could spill into next year without question. Um, but because we don't know more at this time, uh, probably going to just leave that there. Uh, the the one thing folk- I w- uh, just from a basketball perspective on that, like, I understand. Like he obviously can't be suspended right now because there's no games being played, but that's got to complicate Memphis's off season, right? You know, as far as like not only which veterans can you lure because a lot of them would be like, uh, is he going to be playing? But also just like, do you make the big pit right, the big splash move, or you know, how do you maneuver forward? 
Well, and I mean, listen, you are, I think, or they are reaching the point where it's all, you know, there's a more existential question of what is their viewpoint on building everything around Ja? I mean, he signed through 2027, 2028 on track to make 44 million that year, you know, as has been well chronicled because he didn't make all NBA this past season, which I think if he didn't have the eight game suspension from his previous gun incident, he probably would have made all NBA, but because he didn't, that max extension was not a super max. He lost roughly $39 million. Um, so the, you know, the number of incidences and we don't need to get into all of them, but, but as we've reported countless times, there's just been a lot with Josh. So if you're the Grizzlies from a planning standpoint, it's, it's, it's obviously terrible just when it comes to trying to, to build around this group that, that has been so promising, um, you know, Sham Sharania at our place has reported on Dylan Brooks's future. He's a free agent this summer, unlikely to return. You are seeing, you know, the wheels fall off of this Grizzlies operation in the kind of way that that is not enviable at all. Uh, so you're right. It's a very cloudy summer for them. Yeah, for sure. But we could turn to other teams because I like, like you like the fact that it's so unresolved. It's difficult to 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 know. Yeah, a lot of time to talk about that one. Uh, here's how I will set up uh, our Golden State Warriors discussion. Uh, you and I spent a lot of time on the road together these past couple of weeks. I always enjoy, you know, the uh, the coverage grind with you. And when we got back from LA Game Six, you know, flying into the same airport. Going to grab our cars, I, I, I chuckled because it was this moment where I gave you a hard time because, you know, I'm going to continue covering the playoffs, go to the West Finals, your Warriors are out, you know, you get to go home and, and say hello to the family, and I'm little fist pound, and, and we're going our separate ways. Uh, you know, your Warriors wish that wasn't the case. They wish you were out here in Denver uh, for game one of the West Finals, but it, it didn't go down that way. Um, I don't know exactly where to start. But I, I throw, I'll throw it to you this way. I did not expect at this point to have what appears to be as much clarity as we do about the Warriors' plans this summer as it relates to their veteran core. The idea that you know Draymond Green appears likely to return on some sort of multi-year deal. I know <clears throat> that you know nothing's done until it's done, but that is the sentiment from both sides. Klay uh, Thompson with a possible extension. We shall see that number is going to, you know, they're going to have to talk. But the idea being that, like, they're, they're not breaking up the band. Um, they are going to continue forging ahead. The questions, of course, lie with the supporting cast. Uh, so what what direction do you want to take it? They've just, you know, the Bob Meyer situation, they've got a lot to yeah. unpack. Well, I'd start by saying on the, the veterans you mentioned, I think part of the reason there's just a willingness to commit um, is because all of them, at times this season, um, showed that they're still, you know, a, a you know f- good version of themselves. We'll say. I mean, Clay Thompson obviously did not have a good Lakers series. What he shoot three and nineteen in the elimination game. Guy led the NBA in threes this season. He played a lot of games. He could, he started to play back to backs towards the end. To me, Clay Thompson was better this re- season than he was the prior season when they won the title. Uh, Draymond Green, I don't think has aged much in the last 24 months. Sure, he's not prime 2016. Draymond's going 14 a game, flying everywhere defensively, but they won the title last year with, to me, a 
pretty much the same Draymond Green that they won. Or they they didn't win the title with this season, but he's a he did he has not aged really. I don't think in the last twelve months. Um, Kavon Looney has gotten better. Andrew Wiggins can be Andrew Wiggins if he's healthy and available. He only played 37 games this season, but he's on a declining deal moving forward, a very good market value deal. Uh, and the belief is if he's around and healthy, like he will be the Andrew Wiggins that we saw in the playoffs two seasons ago that you can win a title with, obviously. Steph Curry, we don't even need to go down that road. We know like he has not aged. I mean, he's just as good as ever. Their core belief organizationally is that he remains a top five player, so you go after titles for top five players. And I just think when they look at those five that I just mentioned, that they won a title with the previous season, that were, when they were on the floor together, the best five-man unit this season, um, they believe that's still a title core. And because they think it's a title core, they want to keep it together. Uh, And that obviously includes Draymond Green. You mentioned the supporting cast questions, and we can get to them individually. But I think one of the biggest questions, you know, beyond even the Bob Myers one, which is another big one, uh, is is Joe Lacob willing to play pay an absurd tax bill, uh, a tax bill that he has previously stated he wouldn't, uh, mostly to Tim Kawakami. He said it multiple uh, multiple times. So if Joe Lacob um, won't go over the four hundred, four fifty, five hundred million range. Then they just got to get off a they got to get off a contract. Forget like oh you're helping the supporting cast. What can you turn Jordan Poole into? You kind of just got to get off of Jordan Poole type money because that is where the tax spike comes from. Jordan Poole made three point nine million this season. It's going up to about twenty seven. Um, so that's the big question now um i mean we can get into the internal dynamics of all of that. What you could maybe get for him and he's at his lowest value, but. I just need to know, like, is Joe Lake willing to go to like 450, 500 million? Because if he's not, then they got to get off money. Well, and then to pound that point, <clears throat> Jordan's really the only candidate, right? In terms of like the only, you know, vehicle, you know, through which they can get off money contract wise. There's, you know, if, if Wiggins is part of this, if Draymond is part of this, if Clay's part of this, obviously Steph's part of this, there's nobody else that's making big money. You know, Kevon Looney's. Eight nine million. They're not moving off Kavan. He's part of the core. Um, so this is. Am I, am I wrong? This is a Jordan Poole question. Yeah, I mean, you can rope uh, Kaminga into that, really. You know, and maybe their their situations kind of collide. And, and, you know, if you're talking like package type deals, but right. yeah, it's the money component. You know, the relief the relief comes from moving Jordan Poole. Um, and, and so let's go ahead and go down that road. You know, I did not see all of the media from. Did he talk yesterday? Is that when it was? He talked, uh, it was the day after the game. It was like 11 a.m. the day after the game. So sorry, my days are running together. I think they played Friday night, if that's right. So he would have talked Saturday morning. Right. Um, And the the tone, you know, I mean, I saw a handful of headlines about how, you know, Jordan wasted no time kind of, you know, making the the headlines again when it comes to the Draymond situation. But but tell me exactly what he had to say. I, I did read, you know, Logan Murdoch uh, had a good piece at the ringer about the Warriors situation, had some perspective from those guys. Jordan in that story essentially talked about how it was all business with he and Draymond, but it was clearly, you know, still pretty icy. Um, and- yeah, I mean, that's what he, that's also, you know, obviously what he said, uh, his first press conference after the event, yeah. it's at any point when he's been pushed on it this season, which is, you know, became rare because it was <clears> like, he's not, diving into it uh it was kind of his messaging like look he's professional he can he has no problem being a co-worker i mean you you've been in that locker room they sit locker 
mates basically and draymond certainly by early to middle of the season was back to being his normal boisterous draymond green self you know and he'd be sitting there doing it with jordan pool three feet away um so i think pool clearly kept a professional all season i don't think he said anything that's like overly uh you know revealing uh he in his in his exit interview was a little bit defiant about the idea that like oh that was the reason that there was a failure this season his thing was like look we made it to the second round we made it to the playoffs it didn't just like completely spiral out of control like if the, if Lonnie Walker doesn't go off in game four they might win that series like that's essentially and I know that's kind of been somewhat of a messaging behind the scenes it's like this wasn't some disaster finish like they were at least somewhat close to the conference yeah. finals yeah uh, well and I guess what the only thing that surprised me about what Jordan had to say was he did share the sentiment that like you just kind of alluded to, okay, we, the Warriors, we got to the second round, had a lot of good moments. You know, he even highlighted the, you know, that he had a couple of career highs this season and essentially said that there's, he's got no reason to believe that, <clears throat> that he's not still part of the plan. And it feels like there might be a disconnect there and we don't have clarity yet, but you know, it feels like, you know, I, I don't get the sense that he's going to be walking into Joe Lickup's office and saying, you know, I'm tired of coming off the bench. I'm tired of being Draymond's teammate. I'm tired of being here. It, it doesn't seem like he's, you know, heading for the exits personally if it was up to him. Yeah, my sense is like the his his fluctuating role was kind of more of the problem at times this season. And, he, I mean, he, he kind of – he hints at that publicly a lot more than he hints at the Draymond thing about like, oh, it's an opportunity. I can only do so much in this amount of minutes. Like those type of quotes. Um, right. and, and that, like, if Draymond does come back – and that you know they're keeping this core together like the blockage remains ahead of him uh you know he would remain kind of like six man the n- certain nights particularly playoff level nights where you need like locked in defense there'd be nights that he is only 18 minutes or something like that that is not where he views himself at this point of his career i have made the comparison to a past situation i covered reggie jackson it did not spiral like the reggie jackson oklahoma city fourth year situation which included a trade for ennis Cantor at the deadline and sam i know you were you know around at times of that um, spg baby spg but, spg um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's similar in the sense of like Reggie Jackson got to a point not that hey I hate Oklahoma City I don't want to be in Oklahoma City I don't want to you know win with you guys uh, you know in the future but his thought was like look I'm a starting point guard like I that means 34 minutes a night that means 19 shots a night that means you know everything that comes with it and the starting job was not there for Reggie Jackson and I feel that a little bit similarly with the pool situation where you know I think. By year four, year five, he's about to be entering year five. He's getting the money uh, that, that that he wanted. Um, that would normally come with increased role, increased opportunity. I just, but but if but if Clay Thompson at forty three million and you know is is still around next year, he's not starting. You know he he he's coming off the bench. So that is a question. But again, the other thing is like. Oh, I would say, and you kind of alluded to, I do get a feeling from the Warriors that they're like, look, he still averaged 20 points per game this season. Uh, he still does stuff offensively that they really need beyond Steph Curry, which is like extra playmaking, extra creation. Hey, how about just replacing Steph Curry during the regular season? Steph Curry got hurt two to three times this year. He missed 20-something games. Like He's going to miss sure. games. Clay's going to miss games. They need that during the regular season. So they're like, do we trade him when he's at his lowest value in however long? Yeah, no, that's all fair. But again, you've already set up though where where Joe Lacob's not paying for all those contracts. So that is where basketball wise, 
I'll be honest with you. If I was a Warriors fan, I would, I would be, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a relative amount of concern because you've had a hell of a run these past, <clears throat> excuse me, this past decade. But I, I don't know right now if I am convinced, like I understand the desire to keep these guys together and and the idea that they will remain competitive. Um, I don't, right, <clears throat> man, sorry. Andrew, apologies. Uh, you can cut that part out. Um, I don't right now see the path to elite title contention, especially if they don't have Jordan. Um, because as, as flawed and imperfect a player as he was, the depth is going to be an issue. And that's what the offseason's for. We're going to see what they do. That is also a perfect segue because I do for sure want to get your thoughts on the Bob Meyer situation and the question of who is going to be running the front office. Before I throw it to you, my two cents is this. When you and I and Marcus Thompson and, and Sham Sharania wrote a pretty comprehensive piece on the Bob situation months ago, one of the, at the times, the the kind of believed driving forces behind Bob's possible desire to leave, one of the many like factors was the idea that if it was inevitable that they were going to have to break up the band, that Bob, in terms of just his personality and his emotional connection to these other humans, that he did not want to be the guy who sat there and made all the tough calls. Draymond, you're going to the Lakers, Clay, we can't give you an extension. You might be out. Like He did not want to be that guy making those moves. Um, and if that was where it was headed, that he didn't have any interest in it. Um, but that has changed. And now, it you know, it does seem like if that was a major factor, then maybe Bob's calculus changes. Again, it's not the only factor, uh, but but how do you see his situation right now? He is in Chicago this week for all the pre-draft stuff where, you know, a lot of front offices obviously are. So he's like still an active participant in the job as of right now. Uh, while he makes it quite clear to anyone who who talks to him um, that he's contemplating his future, and there is a chance that a couple weeks from now he leaves the job. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the Andre Iguodala situation from last summer, where the Warriors win the title. Remember, Iguodala is a part of it. It kind of this like felt like a last run for him. He went into the off season, and in a lot of ways, he. I mean, he has said this, like he thought he was retiring. He planned to retire. He was already making like post-retirement plans and different. He He's even said in, in retrospect, like he was like making meetings for, you know, October and November on his calendar. And Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, Draymond, like they all convinced him, like, come back. You know, we need you for various reasons. And they lured him back to the group because it wasn't like, hey, we're still riding this all together. Like, are you going to be the one to abandon this? And Andre Iguodala, even though it seems like he didn't really want to, and honestly, I'd love to get truth serum in him, or maybe just listen to his next podcast. He might be like, mistake by me, wish I didn't come back. Um, but I kind of get that sense that that month from Iguodala last year where they were trying to convince him to come back is the month that that's going on right now, right? Where, like... I can't imagine. I'm sure Bob Myers' cell phone right now has Steph Curry calls on it, and Draymond calls, and Steve Kerr calls, and you know, name your big figure. And he's deciding if 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 the lure of clearly like part of his brain wants to leave. I think we could say that you know pretty pretty assuredly, but it's not fully convinced, and maybe it can be lured back. And, and you well, know what helps being lured back the money. Two other factors, and I kind of this is what I do enjoy about 
what we do for a living is like you report one thing and then you lay it out and then you sit there and watch the situation evolve. And it's evolved a lot. Um, for one, the money was also a factor. And the general idea that he wanted to be the highest paid executive in basketball. And most people, I think, would agree that that is a fair expectation for a guy who's got four rings. Um, back then, it seemed strange that Joe Lacob conceivably was playing hardball on the money side. I know he had made multiple offers, but obviously whatever offers were made were not seen as good enough. Now, fast forward to May, and you you and I have talked about this, and I think we both agree, like the general sense from within the organization is if, if it's just down to the money, that they're going to cut the check for Bob Myers. I don't Joe think- will make a competitive enough offer if, if right. that's all it takes. So I think that factor is off the table. Uh, these are all factors, in my opinion, that lead to him returning. Another one is that it's one thing back in February when our piece came out to speculate and analyze other possible landing spots. Now, again, Bob's a dynamic enough guy that – you know, that he has landing spots beyond the NBA. So we can't really account for those. But, you know, maybe Bob at the time, we're, we're thinking, okay, are the, is the Clippers front office going to be in trouble? Maybe Bob goes to the Clippers. Is the Knicks front office going to be in trouble? Maybe Bob goes to the Knicks. These things are not happening right now. Leon Rose is not going anywhere. Lawrence Frank's not going anywhere. Phoenix is something you could look at and say, who knows? Matt Ishbia is making a lot of noise. The new Suns owner out there, you know, fired Monty Williams. Running the front office, James Jones, their GM is is you know clearly not making the calls right now. So I will say that one, you know, who the heck knows? That's an interesting possibility. Washington's open. Washington's open. Um, you know, and then within that, you have the general idea that we've talked about before that you know the the word in relation to Bob was that his preference if he did leave was going to be something either L.A. or New York centric. You know, Phoenix is pretty close to L.A. Are you saying he's a big city guy? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he's a big city, UCLA, Bay Area boy. Um, Yeah, so I just think, again, he might leave. He definitely might leave. But if you were somebody who wanted him to return, um, you're probably at at minimum feeling mildly optimistic about how some of these factors have, have gone in that direction. Yeah, I mean, and obviously you mentioned like the other ventures that are out there. Um which you know he's he's dipped his toes in the media world. I mean he's kind of partnered with ESPN already uh, for a yeah. podcast, and there also is while um, you know like you said like the Clippers job at this point seems safe for Lawrence Frank. If you're Bob Myers, even if you you know take a take a one year hiatus, let's say, and decide, hey, you know what, I I like being a GM. I like running a team. There's gonna be offers next season. You know what I mean? Like his, his yeah. value is not. Uh, diminished if if he stepped away for a year, so um, it's not like well he's leaving a payday on the you know on the table forever. So I think that's at play also. Um, but we'll see. I mean, like I said, you mentioned all the factors that 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 are encouraging. I think the fact that he is in Chicago this week is a, is also a, a decent sign for them that like you know he's he's still engaged. Do, he's still doing the job as of today. Although, as you know, the way they've structured the front office. <laughs> like to counter that it also makes it potentially very easy for him to stay engaged up until the day that he decides he's done and he can just hand the keys to Mike Dunleavy and and, and they will continue moving forward. Yeah, they're self-sustaining. This is not uh, you know, like 
a situation where, oh, wow, Bob Myers left. Like the Warriors will send out an exhaustive search to figure out, you know, who will run and operate their, their front office. Like, no, nah, it's, it, they believe they're completely self sustainable. Uh, they like Bob Myers around, but they think, you know, you mentioned Mike Dunleavy, but, you know, both Lacob kids, obviously Kirk and Kent Lacob with, with, uh, kind of premier positions. Sean Livingston remains in the front office at this point. Um, and, and, and several people beyond that. So Nick, you're in, I mean, we could go down the list. Very good. All right, sir. Anything else on the Warriors front that you would like to share with the listening audience? Cause I would love to jump into the uh, Philly Sixers. No, I mean, the name we didn't really mention much is Jonathan Kaminga. I do think he remains a very high value prospect in a league that is obsessed with wings rightfully so you know we're talking about a six foot eight athlete who can score it who can really has shown some flashes as an individual defender i think could have played more in the playoffs uh had a very good final stretch of the regular season when andrew wiggins was away from the team um and you know his future is a little uncertain with the Warriors. he'd really like a full-time role next season understandably because he's entering his third year he's a premier prospect i think he's proven uh, he can play at this level, uh, you know, on a high level. And uh, maybe it is with the Warriors. Maybe they, they maintain that and, and, and give him that next season. But if it's not, I mean, he is an intriguing trade option for people to go search for. And I'm talking about a rival franchises that are looking for a high upside young player. So just circle his name this offseason. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, as we continue on here in, in kind of the, the obit pod, the playoff obit pod, um, the Sixers blew it in game six. You know what I mean? That's that's gonna that's how history is gonna look back on them. They're they're home in game six, they're up at times. Um, they had a chance to get to the conference finals for the first time, I believe, since 2001. And uh man, it was it was this year for them where you know so much opportunity 
in front of you. I, I know it's corny and cliche, but it is part of the conversation is the legacy discussion. I mean, and, and James Harden and, and, and however many times he hadn't been able to get it done on the playoff stage, Joel Embiid, where his narrative wasn't nearly as negative, uh, health and injury for the most part is what had held, held him back. But he had plenty of playoff series where, you know, he just didn't get it over the finish line. You know, the the kind of famous Kawhi Leonard shot from the corner that put the Raptors past the Sixers some years ago in the second round, things of that nature. So here they are, game six in Philly. Um, that was their shot, Slater. And, and they they blew it that night. Uh, next thing you know, you know, I mean, as handicapping game sevens goes, uh, there's not a place that I feel more confident, you know, handicapping the home team. Than how about Boston. this timing, and by the way? When Sam they Amick, how about this timing? By the I know. Way? Right. I know. Right. When we're pivoting from Warriors to Sixers, the special guest shows. Up. I know. See, I'm pretty good at this later. I knew I, I knew what I was doing. We got Rich Hoffman That's on the pod. Rich, what's up, brother? Uh, a lot, guys. You know, I, I thought <laughs> I thought I was going to podcast today, and uh, I, I am. But uh, it's funny. I, I actually had just gotten off our Sixers beat show with Derek Bodner, where we basically said, "Yeah, we think Doc is going to get fired in the coming days," and uh, we were wrong. He got fired in the coming minutes. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's one still of the-, the coming days, like that day. It is. Part of the coming. Yeah, I, I know you're. Is. I know you're very busy. Thank you for joining. If if you at any point need to part ways with this podcast, let us know. Um, but I was just setting it up with Slater by essentially saying the Sixers, they obviously blew it in game six. Going into game seven, uh, you know, I felt, felt very confident that the Celtics, I mean, at home, were going to win that game. And my God, Jason Tatum just put them in the grave. Um, and yes, and to see the ripple effect of that is, is wild. We, we're seeing it in real time today. Um, Daryl Morey, head of the Sixers front office, actually just put out a statement on the decision, and I'll read it real briefly here. Doc is one of the most successful coaches in NBA history, a future Hall of Famer, and someone I respect immensely. We're grateful for all he did in his three seasons here and thank him for the important impact he made on our franchise. After having the chance to reflect upon our season, we decided that certain changes are necessary to further our goals of competing for a championship, end quote. Um, Rich, unpack this for us, but before you do, what comes to mind first for me, obviously, is we have a massive James Harden question uh, ahead, or they have a massive James Harden question ahead. And I already had the sense, like I think a lot of others in the media going into this situation, that there, there was a, you know, unmistakable tie between James's situation and Doc Rivers situation and a sense that if whatever percentage chance there was of James returning, that would probably go to zero if Doc was still the coach. Um, Tough to not feel like this is Daryl doing everything he can to not lose James Harden right now. Yeah, I think that's the main uh, takeaway here, Sam. But but I also think there's precedent too that Doc would have gotten fired regardless. Like I think, you know, Brett Brown got three chances with these guys and they made it to the second round every year and they lost. Doc got three chances with these guys. They made it to the second round and they lost. Um, so that's part of it. I, I this, also think it, too, that, it's six straight second round losses. Well, Brett Brown made the first round in the bubble. The one year oh, they got okay. swept, but it's five out of six though. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, five in a row. They, I think there was a stat I saw the other day that the Sixers over that six-year span have the second most wins in the regular season 
And there have been 14 teams that have made the conference finals during that span. They are not somehow one of them, which is kind of. I, I saw a stat that the Sacramento Kings have made a conference finals before the Sixers have. I believe they have. Was a, a that two. is true. Yeah, one year. That, one year before. Uh, that is 2001 rough. was the last time. So yeah, it's been. You know, these guys, they, and, and look, it's, it's very clear too. It's like, everybody goes nuts about the second round thing. The second round is when you start to play really good teams in the Eastern conference. Like the Sixers win these series against teams that they have more talent than in, in the beginning of it. And, you know, doc has overseen some good things in the regular season, but when they play a real team that matters, they don't win for whatever reason every year. But so, so I think that is part of it. I think they're, there's like a little bit of a public relations aspect of this as well. I don't think you could bring back everybody. So if you if you do bring back James Harden and Joel Embiid, I think something had to change here. Like I think unre- like the Sixers bringing back to Philadelphia the same group that blew game 6, blew an unbelievable opportunity and completely no-showed that game 7. That didn't seem realistic to me. But I think if if we're being practical here, Sam, you, the thing you mentioned is that James Harden you know, he, he made it work well enough with Doc Rivers this year. Like he he clearly had something like an all NBA type season with him. Uh, he certainly did enough to, um, you know, find a partnership with Joel Embiid. But when things mattered, uh, you know, he did not really vouch for him. And and it's clear that that he seems like, you know, those two guys were not going to come back. Maybe one of them was going to come back, but but not both of them. So uh, I, I think your read on the situation uh, Daryl Morey trying to appease him and maybe, uh, you know, trying to bring him back in that way is, is the right one. Overall. Can I, can well, I ask you guys other, something? Can I ask quick. both of you two insiders something as an outsider in this situation? Sure. Um, am I wrong to just believe that this will be a Mike D'Antoni show just because <laughs> of the Rockets history that, you know, I know Sam, you know, very well and know him, Mike. And then obviously, I mean, you know, Harden, it just Morey, like, is that where this is going? Do you guys feel? Um, Rich is the expert. I'm going to add in one slice of context that matters, and it relates to your questions later. Uh, Doc Rivers was hired 25 days before Daryl Morey was hired. That part always gets forgotten. Daryl did not hire Doc. Now, granted, it's very evident that Daryl knew that he was headed to Philly long before what I think was October 28th, 2020. But to the other part of your question, Slater, is that considering that the Houston Rockets are widely known to be the greatest threat to take James Harden in free agency, you know, what better way than because and, and the spirit of that for sure is James wanting to. It's a little bit like when when Russell Westbrook a couple of years ago kind of declared to people around him that he wanted to get back to playing Russ basketball like James wants to get back to some of that. So what better way than to, to bring back to Oklahoma City? Sorry. Right. But like, but okay. But Rich, the question I need you to answer is what, on what planet does that land well with the big fella? You know, if it becomes a James Harden operation, I, that's where I don't see that happening. It's a good question. Um, I'll add something else. Mike D'Antoni had a very brief tenure before he was the Rockets head coach with James Harden and, and Daryl Morey. He was an assistant coach for the Sixers during the big fellas. One of his red shirt years. I believe it was the second one. When I look it up, it yep. was when, you know, they were losing all of those games and Colangelo, Jerry Colangelo was like, Hey, we need to, you know, make some like experience hires to kind of steer the ship the right way. So they hired Mike D'Antoni on Brett Brown's bench and everybody thought, 
oh, he's going to be the coach in waiting. That's and that's not how it ended up. He got hired by Houston, and you know everything worked out for uh, for both sides there. Uh, I Joel Embiid has spoken pretty highly about Mike D'Antoni, and I, I do think like the the pace and space Rockets does not fit Joel's um, like game like quite as much as you would think. But but I also think Joel also thinks of himself as more than a post up center. He certainly he's the first person that says like, we don't shoot enough threes. Like he he's definitely a smart analytically driven guy. So I, I wouldn't go right away and saying that um, like Mike D'Antoni's play style would, wouldn't work, but, but I, I do wonder a little bit about just all the ties with Houston. Is this becoming James Harden's team at, you know, 34 years old? Like how much are they going to run through him? Um, and, and I think that's, that's a legitimate question uh, moving forward. So you know, is there a compromise candidate between the two of them? I know he spoke, you know, another name that I would look out for, Monty Williams, is somebody who who coached under Brett Brown. Joel has spoken very highly of. I would imagine they would go for an experienced candidate, and I think D'Antoni also falls under that umbrella too. So it's not like um, there's like a, a heads up there, but that that's kind of how I'm looking at it. It's interesting too, though, because you you great context about Mike's history in Philly. And the other part of the calculus to me that that does, I think, maybe bode well for Daryl as he decides what to do here is that of all the different factors, it's definitely beneficial to have Joel's messaging like he just shared after they lost. B, I love Philly. I want to win in Philly. Like he am I wrong that he he remains seemingly entirely committed to that location to where like maybe you could convince him of, of one of these options that works for both sides? Yeah, he, he didn't come out and say that, Sam. I mean, he said a lot of things. Obviously, it got uh, there were a lot of things that people got irked by that he said after that game. I, I the the Sixers post game press conferences after a, a flame out loss are just, I mean, they're they're legendary. Uh, I think that's generally how he feels, though. He he likes it in Philly. I certainly uh, the vibe I've always gotten from him is he doesn't want to be the bad guy, like he doesn't want to be Harden, uh, forcing his way out of Houston. But I do wonder at some point, like. Is he going to say, I don't know, like, what, what do we actually have here? And that, you know, that ties into the Harden, does he stay or does he go? And, you know, can you replace him if he goes? And I think the answer on that is generally no. So he uh, he did say that he wants to win with Harden and they have some unfinished business was the term that he said. So so I do think he is still committed to Philly at this point. Um, but, but I do think he'll probably have some sort of say on the head coach. Like, it's certainly a decision you have to run by him. Uh, but I also don't think Mike D'Antoni is automatically somebody he'd think like, ah, eh. like, no, like, I, I think he he watches more basketball than anybody. He's like a very smart thinker. So so I, I think he could be talked into Mike D'Antoni because he also does have a previous relationship with him, too. Sure. For you, Rich, what other questions we are hyper focused on on James and Joel and the coaching situation and Daryl. But but there is more than that uh, based so on the way. Yeah, based on the way that they went down in that Celtic series, uh, you know, what what's kind of your power rankings list of priorities and, and questions here? I think my biggest one is just like, how do they recover? <laughs> you know, like that is a tough way to go out, man. Like yeah. after after all of their their tough playoff exits, this was they had a legitimate chance. Like they they got themselves an opportunity. They they had the ball up to with like four minutes left in game six, being able to close these guys out. They're their tormentors in Boston send Jason Tatum that unbelievable game seven. Instead, he's the one facing questions because he was horrible in game six and game five for most of those games. Uh, 
how do you recover from that? But there are other things too. Like, is Tobias Harris finally tradable now at $39 million? Like, can you can you make a move there? Maybe break him up into a couple different players. Tyrese Maxey is extension eligible, and that's another thing coming here. Daryl doesn't really hand out a lot of rookie extensions, but Maxey has gotten to the point where he he's probably deserving of one, and how the Sixers proceed with him is certainly of great interest. So there are a lot of things, but I mean, I, I think you nailed the big one though. Like is what are they doing with James Harden? How much money are they going to give him? How, you know, what, what is it going to take to keep him in Philadelphia? If there is a number can, uh, you know, avoid, uh, avoid him going back to Houston. Slater, you, you have opinions on Mr. Harden. You've watched him closely um, during those Warriors series. And I would love to know just from a basketball, you know, intelligent team building standpoint, uh, you know, if you're in Daryl's shoes, uh, how are you feeling about the prospect of handing out a max deal to a guy who's going to start next season at 34, a guy who has never been the most athletic, a guy who has never been the most diligent in the gym? I, I feel like that's a fair statement. I, I know he's had times when, you know, but yeah, but you're, it, you know. you're curious about how he's going to age, obviously. Um, 100%. And yeah. The, the back end of any big deal for him is probably going to be an ugly back end. But, you know, a lot of times people say you pay for the first two years and, uh, you know, are kind of like, I guess, um, sacrificing the, the, the backside of that contract just because you need to maximize Joel Embiid's next couple seasons. Is there a better path than James Harden being back on this roster? I'm, I'm not sure there is. So, um, well, you know what's funny about that, sorry to jump in, is I, I kind of love this thread that I'm going to throw at you guys that connects the Warriors and the Sixers. That, that's the focus of this week's pod. It's I always love the human component of this business and how, like, you know, in a vacuum, I, I should be able to say, like you just said, is James Harden the best option for the Sixers? And Daryl Morey should be able to objectively look at it. And if he sees a better option than James Harden, then you say goodbye to James Harden. The Warriors can, you know, kind of similarly should be able to look at Steph and Clay and Draymond and say, if if that three doesn't have the same ceiling, we should go a different direction. Then that's what we got to do. But you have these personal ties, this history, uh, you know, that do compel these executives to to want to see things through. James Harden weirdly had like these, like some of his best playoff games ever in this series, right? Like two of his best performances ever but that was also wrapped too. into yeah yeah i was he, gonna say that was wrapped into like five of his worst right. well um, and that's that's the problem yeah. right is is that with him i'm not sure he's ever gonna have two better playoff games than that he won them two games like it it was remarkable which you know i mean joel mb needs to go win him the other two really that's that's probably what didn't happen C- completely agree and he was banged up but you know at some point you just if you're the mvp of the league you gotta find a way to push through you gotta find a way to take over one of these games against a good team and he has never done it he's always been kind of the bystander he's been on the side you know ben simmons uh situation like joel didn't like grab the bull by the horns and win that series but we were focused on ben i think rightfully so Last year, I mean, Harden was a disaster last year. You know, he has the famous quote where the the ball didn't find me in the second half. He basically quits against the Heat. That wasn't the case this time. Like, Harden actually got them a couple of wins, and, and that's the the issue with Joel. But but going back to Harden, that's the worry about his contract is that, yeah, okay, he had these two amazing games. He had another one that was, I thought, pretty good, and that was the game, game five, where they played their best game probably of the season, just dominating Boston. The other four games, he didn't even give him a chance. He was so bad. And, you know, when the the two-point shooting 
and the free throws and the athleticism and all those things that lead to consistent play are down. You just wonder like, is that going to get better at 34 at 35, 36? The answer to that's almost assuredly. No, it's probably going to get worse. And uh, that's the pickle the Sixers are in, but it's like Sam said, like, I'm not sure there is a better path than paying this guy because they don't really have the the financial flexibility to replace him straight up. Rich, you, you got a smile out of me when you mentioned Joel and the MVP thing, because I swear, man, he if he could, he might, you know, take that trophy and send it back right now. You know what I mean? Like, like he's wanted it for so many years and it was such a neat moment when he got it. I mean, just as real a sports moment as you'll see meant the world to him. His son runs out. It was really touching stuff. But this is the downside of being the MVP is that, my goodness, the conversation and I, this has really jumped out at me like. It, it just flipped overnight. You know, I was admittedly, I was watching ESPN the other day and some of the commentators who have been, you know, very pro Embiid in the past and and really kind of quasi, I don't want to say anti-Jokic, but like a little bit of that tone. These same folks who, uh, I don't want to put them out there, they're friends and colleagues, but like all of a sudden now it's Joel failed, Jokic is the best. And a lot of that is because Joel got MVP. And once you get MVP, that perception the conversation, the tone, everything changes. It uh, it flipped overnight, Sam. I mean, I, I did the. I was thinking about it earlier today. It was nine days in between him accepting that trophy, crowd going nuts for him. You know, his son running up that great moment. Nine days between that, and he's been just shredded to pieces over the past right. couple of days. And right, you know, that's unfortunately like he doesn't have the playoff history to back it up. Like he's never been out of the second round of the playoffs. And look, I think there's a chance that that could be. A little bit overrated. Like in this case, if you told me Boston blows through the next two rounds, I would not be stunned by that. They're an awesome team. Um, and this is about as hard of a second round matchup as the Sixers have had. But how Joel went out, five of 18, he was just lifeless. He didn't look like he was ready to play in a game seven in the biggest moment. He's got to wear that at this point. And I think rightfully so. And, you know, he's he's taken it locally here too as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's been a rough couple of days for him for sure. Well, Rich, fantastic stuff. I know it's a crazy busy day for you. This stuff was breaking right as we started recording. Um, we are going to chat a little bit of Lakers nuggets on the back end. You are welcome to hang, but you probably have a lot to do. You want to stick with us? You're going to jump? What do you want to do? I think I'm going to head out, guys. I don't really have a lot out of uh, Lakers nuggets. I think you guys are better experts than me on that one. All good. Well, we we might be recruiting you again soon because you got more decisions coming up with your your squad. So good luck on the coverage front, and thank you for making the time, Rich. Appreciate you. All right, guys. See you. All right, Mr. Slater, to wrap it up here, um, we're not going to really dive into Heat. Let me just ask you. You're you're, you're out in Denver. You know, you're covering the series. It's a uh, rematch of the bubble Western Conference Finals, which it's funny that it's just both sides are a rematch. Right. Um, What are you – What like, you know, you're going to be covering game one tonight. Um, What's – what piques your interest most? It's weird. The bubble thing cracks me up. The same four teams. Um, you know, I'm having like flashbacks, nostalgia. You know, I'm in my hotel room in Denver right now, but I, I kind of feel like I should be able to walk outside and see the uh, the resort in Orlando at Disney World and and go play a little pickleball before covering the game tonight. That's how it was back in in the bubble life. I miss wow. it, man. <laughs> yeah. What what part of the series besides you know your own pickleball? Uh, you know. Hey, I'm just tell you where my mind goes. Um, the series is going to be, I think, a good one, probably a long one. And it really, uh, it's it's interesting to me 
that on the one hand, on surface level, you have just a rematch. Uh, and you do when it comes to the stars and the nuggets are mostly that their core is the same. They have a lot, a lot of new supporting cast. Uh, but the Lakers, you once you get past LeBron and AD, it, everything is different. And and our Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer, I thought wrote a really strong piece the other day talking about the the Lakers differences in the way they've evolved since 2020. And, and I think this is a lot of what will make the matchup so interesting is that back in 2020, you had LeBron playing point guard and, and Jovan and his piece had all the data and man, it was really, it was a trip to see, you know, just to quantify how different they function. LeBron was playing point guard. AD was at the four. That was back in the Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee roster days where they had all that size to contest with Jokic. And now AD, you know, at long last has committed to that center role. And LeBron, you know, is playing the vast majority of his time at the three and the four. And then they're pretty deep when it comes to the backcourt. When when you got D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves and Dennis Schroeder, you know, LeBron's usage has gone down a lot. His his assists uh, have gone down from 2020. I mean, he he led the league in assists um, during that year. And but to their credit, here they are. And but where I think it's going to make this rematch hard, or at least interesting and potentially hard, is that Nikola Jokic is a significantly better player now than he was in 2022 or 2020, which is saying something because he was pretty damn good back then. Um, and they don't have as much size to deal with him. You know, those minutes when AD is not on the floor, which is not going to be much, you know, uh, those might get ugly if they have Jokic out there. I mean, Darvin Ham's got to find a well, way. To- my guess would be you you try to mirror minutes, you know, you, you try to go no minutes that Jokic is on the floor that Anthony Davis is not on the floor. Right, but you know where I'm going to go next with that being the case, which is that it's going to be another test to Anthony Davis's durability, Anthony Davis's spirit. Um, he's been fantastic defensively throughout these playoffs. And so would I be shocked if he slowed down Jokic and, and became the hero of this series? No, I, I wouldn't. You know, to see what he did against the Warriors was incredible. But in the same sense that, you know, the, the Warriors had a field day against the Kings in the first round because it was Demonis Sabonis down there and then got a kind of a slap in the face when they saw the Lakers and realized that AD was no Demonis Sabonis defensively. Now, all of a sudden, uh, the Lakers are going to get some of that treatment. You know, they were not facing a Jokic-type character in that Warriors series. The Warriors are small. Draymond's an incredible defender, but they don't have that, that you know, generational post-presence like Denver does. And it's a huge moment for Denver. I mean, as I sit in this city and we just massive. That's where I was going. Yeah, be. like it's just we just got done talking about Philly and missed opportunity, and and now how that shapes your story. Uh, Denver has an incredible opportunity to finally, you know, see this thing through. And they've been doing this for a minute now. You know what I mean? Like Michael Malone, I think it's his eighth year. Um, it, it's a massive moment if they could get this done, get in the finals, then the mainstream audience that typically ignores them would uh, would start to appreciate what they have here. Yeah, I think this is the test of like if this core can actually win a title because I do think that there's been very reasonable excuses the last few years when they've got 
you know, bounce. Obviously, no Jamal Murray for two straight playoffs. Michael Porter Jr. dealing with the back thing. Um, you know, the beyond that, the supporting cast I think was was flawed. Whereas this year, Jamal Murray's starting to look a lot more like himself. Yep. Uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s healthy and shooting it well. Aaron Gordon has been a great compliment, a great trade made actually by Tim Conley. Uh, and then I think the Bruce Brown, Contavious Caldwell Pope additions like work perfectly. Like I think this roster. Uh, very much different than past years is perfectly built around Jokic. So, and like to be honest, like as good as the Lakers are and as feared as Davis and LeBron should be, like this isn't some uh, wow, like you're just running into a buzzsaw in the West Finals. Like this is still the seven seed. Um, you have home court. The path is laid out. The path was almost really laid out if the Celtics got knocked out to like go win a title. Um, but yeah, like this is to me the the test of like can this Jokic core actually be a champion or not because i don't know that it'll ever look this clear for them and and i think they're they're in the right place to do it uh, as a group and by that i mean you know i wrote something months ago about how this front office this organization uh feels as if like they kind of declared this season that just in case anybody thought they were comfortable just getting to the playoffs making a little playoff money and then trying again the next year and having that be their legacy, like, no, Jokic is so great that they want to contend for titles during his entire prime to be title contenders. Now, I give credit to Calvin Booth, who took over for Tim Conley this year, has been there for several years, was the assistant GM before. Calvin's attacked this thing kind of mentally uh, when it comes to the spirit of the group and set the tone, I think. Michael Malone, obviously, incredibly competitive, has done a great job out there. Um, and, and now we'll see. And I think that, you know, everything you hit on with their depth, is big, and I think I know you got to bounce later, but I, I my last thought on the Nuggets, the connectivity between their group, I think, is the kind of thing that can win you games in a series against the Lakers. And the contrast to me is interesting when, but, but contrast between the Lakers uh, and the Suns, I'm sorry, the Nuggets, in terms of the time that their guys have spent together, I think that's going to come into play here because Jokic knows what Jamal Murray's doing, you know, every time down the floor and vice versa. These Lakers are still learning one another. A lot of them have only been together since February. I think that could reveal itself in key moments in this series. And when the Nuggets took care of Phoenix, you know, wildly talented at the top, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, you started to see that. Like, as as elite as those players were on the Suns' side, you know, they were up against a Nuggets team that can read each other's minds. And this is when that type of continuity should pay off, and I think they probably will. I mean, I got the Nuggets winning the series. I don't know how many games, um, but I think it should be fun. Before you bounce, what is your just uh, your handicap in here? How do you think this thing goes? Yeah, I'd say I think Nuggets. Um, I almost want to say five, but that feels like too disrespectful to the Lakers. Don't worry so, about like, respect. You know, just say you say what you think. I'll say Nuggets <laughs> in six. I'll say they actually close out in, in uh, Crypto.com Arena. Uh, because that feels like the proper like length of the series, even if that's a closeout game on the road. Sure. All right. Good stuff, brother. It'll be fun to cover. Uh, you're going to keep, obviously, pumping out stuff on all things Warriors going forward. Uh, thank you for hopping on. Thank you to Rich Hoffman. And we will be back next week. Thanks, everybody.